where I have three Hollywood professionals who are going to make a movie for you today based on a random prompt from the internet. I have a very talented team. I have Kamara, our writer, who is Megan Fox's acting coach. Uh, we have Ben, our director, who is the director of photography of the Sham Wow commercials. And then we have Jacob, our producer, who is Christopher Lloyd's barber. <laughs> so, today... <laughs> We have our prompt, starting with our writer. Our story is a light-hearted caper. A main character is an infamous musician, and the start of the story is crime, and the end of the story is reconciliation. Starting now, you have three minutes. Okay, so what I'm thinking is, you know, we can definitely play around with this a little bit. I think, so we'll have a guy, you know, really make him a plagiarist, our, our main character. He's a plagiarist of classic uh, he wants to become a you know big musician, but or, or songwriter, but you know no one's paying him any attention. So he steals from Mozart. Mozart's still alive, you know. So uh, you know it'll be a historical comedy. You know a chance to make cameos from famous people back then. I have no idea when that was. Like uh, I have no idea when Mozart was. Middle Ages, 18th century. It's all the same to me. Uh, we'll have someone figure that out. But um, yeah, he steals from Mozart, and he sort of has to go on the run and try to make it big, you know. So, but really the big thing is the heist. How is he going to steal from Mozart? Mozart was the deaf one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. No, that was Beethoven. <laughs> oh. All right, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to use my find and replace on my uh, Celtics document and replace that with Beethoven. Can I get the prompt again? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a lighthearted caper, right? Yeah. It's an infamous musician. Mm-hmm. The start of the story is crime, and the end of the story is reconciliation. Okay, so it starts with him stealing from Beethoven. Uh, and, uh, you know, the first like act, or maybe even it'll be a fun little uh, chase sequence, um, they're able to catch him, bring him back to Mozart. Mo- so this is a period piece. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or Beethoven. I get these two confused. I, use them. Okay, you know what? Have both of them in the movie. Okay. So, brings back to Beethoven and says, like, you almost got out of my work, but you have gut, you've got guts. So, I want your help stealing more music from... Okay, that will be Bach. Yeah. Stealing from Bach. So, it'll be kind of like Ant-Man. Basically, this is Ant-Man set in the past. Meets this old guy, uses his skill to try to steal from... You know, people don't like Bach as much, so I think they'll be fine seeing him as a villain. Uh, trying to steal his work. Um, well, obviously, the whole soundtrack will be classical music. Just some really, you know, just some fun, creative things. I'll, I'll leave whatever the heist itself is to the special effects guys. I just l- left that blank. Because I really think th- it's not about the heist. It's about this guy learning to appreciate music. So that's what I got. The title will be The Missing Note, All right. based on a true story. All right, so our director, you have the missing note. 
a period piece starring uh, an unnamed composer who runs into Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart. Uh, his name is Michelangelo. He's not the Michelangelo, but it's a nice little reference. Michael's the first name, and Angelo's yeah. the last name. They had, they had names like that back then. Yes, okay. Well, uh, when the missing note first came across my desk, I gotta, I gotta tell you, the first actor that I thought of who could carry the role of an, an infamous musician named Michelangelo was uh, definitely Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, he's just got that flexibility that I really admire in young talent. And uh, he also has a bit of a music background with hit record or hit record. Um, and then I was thinking for Bach, RuPaul Charles, why not? I mean, that guy really knows how to play evil. Am I right? You've seen RuPaul's Drag Race. It's hell. Yeah, I have. Okay, so yeah. for Bach, we've got RuPaul Charles. For Mozart, I was thinking Jeremy Irons. We want, we want Mozart as sort of the dramatic foil for Bach. You know, we want a little bit of tension between those two. So, you know, I just, Jeremy, I'm visually, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing Jeremy Irons and RuPaul Charles, and I'm like, yes, this is what it has to be. Uh, for Beethoven, you know, Beethoven's tough. Beethoven is one of those characters where you really got to get someone who is very, very strong in character work. Because this role is all about physicality. The man's deaf. He can't hear music. He feels it. So when I think of people that feel things really deeply, I think Aziz Ansari. He's a really physical guy. I think he's great at taking direction. He'll certainly, it, not just taking direction, but receiving direction and then having the direction bounce back off him. He's like a cave for direction. You just sing into him and then you hear all of this great stuff amplified around you. And he takes you to places and sounds that you never, you never even thought before. Amy Poehler had that to say about him. So I, I'd love to bring him in on this. When I think of lighthearted capers, I definitely think sleek. And when I think of heists, I think clean classy so I want everyone in the film to wear black and white I don't want the film to be black and white everyone will wear black and white clean lines very minimalistic lots of bowler hats and top hats at least one top hat for RuPaul yeah clean sleek amazing talent everyone wearing black and white um, and we're gonna really get the actors hands-on with this by staging some bank heists We'll let the people know, obviously. Or even museum heists to stay within the historical context. I really want the actors to get their hands dirty with this one. So yeah, I think we'll go to a few museums and steal some uh, historical pieces of music. That'll really get them in the, in the mindset that it's going to take to get in this. I mean, Mike, Michelangelo is a heavy character as well. He's an unknown musician. His two names, Michael and Angelo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Michael's short for Michelangelo, though. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to get them to do some historic heists. We're going to let the museums know. Uh, we're going to have everybody in black and white to really highlight the, the black and white dichotomy between stealing and not stealing, between good and evil. And uh, yeah, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to start the movie wearing all white. He's going to steal the music from Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart. Uh, but Beethoven and Mozart will forgive him, and Bach will come against him. All right. What was the name of the movie again? The Missing Note. 
the missing note. Based on a true story. All right, so. They were real producer, people. You have a missing note starring a interesting cast of composers and a faker. What's your budget, and how do you make this bad boy make money? So, first off, thanks for bringing me this script. Um, I feel like we have we have some confusion on direction to go here in terms of uh, what's what's good, what's not, what's gonna you know work as a movie, what is complete and other garbage. But you know, thankfully for you guys, I don't believe in starting over. I believe in you know we can we can rebuild it, we can make it better, we can be stronger. I view my movie making career as the Bionic Man. Um, <clears throat> so. I got a neat little way out of this. I was talking with uh, the guys over at DreamWorks. They're interested in shopping scripts for Despicable Me 3. Mm. Minions didn't do so hot. So people you know, wanted more of Gru and the girls. So they're looking at, at options for, for bringing in some of that money that was you know, really, really big for a long time. We've got a humorous caper. Mm. We've got royalty-free music. This could be good for them, right? So I'm not saying change everything, uh, but your story is now about Gru and the girls. Uh, make sure that you uh, write some lines, uh, you know, that will be funny to say in the accent, and all of that. And then you could have, you could still keep the, like, musician bad guys. Or, like, maybe there's, like, a group of these, you know, criminal musicians that could be really fun for Gru and uh, the Kirsten Wiggs character go up against, that would be pretty fun, that could be pretty cool. Uh, also, if we've got all this cool royalty-free music, you know, maybe we set the movie somewhere in Europe that's like a cool locale, get a little bit of money from like the you know, tourism boards to, you know, make 3D environments of their city, and then, you know, have a little bit of, you know, I help you, you help me business kind of going on, that could be pretty good, maybe, you know, they don't have to spend so much in the initial movie, and we all get a little bit more money coming back in at the end, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, I'll do my best to see about getting some of those those guys uh, in as voice actors. Uh, my only other requirement is that uh, my my ex-wife. I'm trying to get back together with her. She's very attracted to Harrison Ford. We need to make a character. I don't care if it's played by Harrison Ford. We need somebody who looks like Harrison Ford in the film somewhere. Write him in. Uh, make it happen, and uh, I'll see some. Make sure you get some checks coming your way. Great. So, back to our writer. Uh, the Missing Note has now been changed to an animated film, which is Despicable Me 3. It can be subtitled The Missing Note. I'm sure that's acceptable. Maybe? I don't care. Um, you can use some of those actors as voice actors, and you have to put in a Harrison Ford-type character. Where do you go from here? Okay, uh, a couple things. Um, so, I originally was down on the idea, but I feel like we can get some of the same plot beats from before. So um, so obviously, what are they doing back then? Obviously, well, we have time travel. We can do that, obviously. Um, so I wasn't super into the movies, but I'm pretty sure Gru stopped being evil in one of them or something. So uh, we should have like, you know, an anti or a, a villain who goes back in time and is trying to steal all this music. And so then they have, then Gru is like, uh, we will get the time machine ready. And there can be all kinds of jokes with, you know, the, the minions pulling out a time machine and, oh, you, you accidentally went back to uh, Scotland, 2000, I don't know. Uh, 
I'll, I'll leave it to the to the animators. I'm sure it's all visual anyway, because I don't freaking know what they're saying. But so yeah, they go back in time. So it's like so it's a double heist because um, the villain we'll call him like Grow Grood Grood no Grood because he's like evil Gru. Um, is going back in time and he's stealing all this great music uh, and it's, his plan is to then make a world where that music didn't exist and then sell it in the future on iTunes and become the biggest musician ever uh, and music is super weird in the future without them existing so that's the whole thing um, you know they team up with uh, Bach I don't think collectively a lot of people know what Bach looks like so we can make him look Harrison Fordish. Um I don't think a ton of people would notice. So, yeah, the, uh, lots of kooky things, um, them stealing music back. Uh, it can be educational, too. Like he teaches the girl, like, I'm going to teach you about music. Yeah, I, I don't think that's his accent, but I'm not an actor. It's like, this was uh, this song from this guy. And, you know, and, you know, maybe the girls can even get the Bach, Beethoven people confused, because I'm sure the audience will, too. I'm sure it's not just me. So, yeah, a really fun adventure in the past stealing things back and forth, trying to prevent time paradoxes, all kinds of stuff, time travel, music appreciation, heist, little elements from Ant-Man in there, all thrown together in Despicable Me, I think we'll be fine. Alright, anything else? Uh, really good. Uh, we need, oh, we need a new song to top uh, the uh, happy song. So, um, oh, and they need to sing the song, play the song as happy, but with a classical orchestra. At the very end, like, you did very well, uh, Beethoven, I don't know how he talks, but like, I'm going to play your song, and, and it'll be fun. That's how we go in the credits. All right, well, returning to our director, mm. you're now the director of Despicable Me 3, semicolon, The Missing Note, which is now a time-traveling piece about a music heist. Uh, where do you go from there? What do you do with your actors? How do you get the, make the Harrison Ford character work? Well, uh, the Harrison Ford character, I think, goes really smoothly in with Despicable Me. I just, I think, if we can actually get Harrison Ford, that would be for the best. I think if we're on board with the animators and the director of animation, that we have to animate in a minion that looks like Harrison Ford, I think that's totally possible. You know, I've seen some artists in Artist Alley at cons do some crazy stuff, so I'm sure that they can. Wouldn't you just put a fedora on a minion and you'd be done? Do we put a fedora on a minion, or do we, uh you know, put a laser on a minion, or do we put a vest on a minion, or do we Sabrina the minion? You know, it's when when in Harrison Ford's career are we talking here? We do it all at the same time. We do it all at the same time. Why not? Artistically, I like where that's going. It's like having an ensemble cast, having the ensemble of Harrison Ford's acting career in one minion. That just, that just sounds like magic to me. What I'm really excited about, though, is taking all of these actors i mean since it's an animated film we could have them in the same room together or we could have them separate but what i'd really like to do and i th what i think would really add to the experience is if i took them to a cave in eastern europe and i got them all together in this cave and we just spent a few weeks creating soundscapes inside the cave to closer connect us to the the feel of the film you know caves are old they've got this echo you know i'm, I'm really There's as a director i'm really huh Never mind. <laughs> As a director, I'm really caught up on caves. You know, I, I, I just they're magical to me. Stalactites and stalagmites. Everyone sitting around in a circle, making weird noises, beeping, growling. Hopefully, coming up with things that appeal to children, but not necessarily relying on the audience to be inspired. We come back, 
we get in the studio, we bang this thing out in three weeks. I, I just, yeah, I'm really on board with it. So do you want me to add more scenes in a cave? No, 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 no. This will all be animated. No, I will be taking to the actor. I will be taking the actors as the directors to the cave, so we can all prepare to do this okay. together. And I'll bring them back into the studio, and they'll be warmed up and ready to go no, I, I with it. fresh inspiration. Yes. I got it. Yeah. I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you got it. Did you get it then? I did. Okay. All right. Anything else to add? I have a few seconds. No, I think it's genius. I think there's nothing that needs to be tweaked about it, and I'm really ready to roll on this one. All right, producer Despicable, yeah, Despicable Me 3 is a time-traveling, music-stealing caper filled with classical music and a Harrison Ford minion. How do you feel about this? Well, I'm good. I'm, we're moving very rapidly in the right direction. Um, let me just say, though, we, we cannot have Harrison Ford anywhere near the set. Uh, my ex-wife is DTF with VHF, so... <laughs> Well, just can't sad. have him. Just can't have him on set. <laughs> just make somebody looks like it, and then I can tell her I did it to make her happy, and you know how that goes. So, uh, anyways, on the other note, I liked your idea of getting like some big pop stars in. Uh, went around and chatted with a few. Uh, we're gonna get Sia to come in, uh, and she's going to do uh, an orchestral version of uh, Chandelier, and she's going to since we're gonna be you know in Europe somewhere for part of that. She's going to sing part of it in German as well, which is going to be really cool and interesting. And then all the European people will come out and see it because you know all the a lot of the famous operas are in German. So be like, oh, cool! It's like a modern tie-in to like an old school thing. I don't know. I heard this was good from the marketing guys. <clears throat> and then while that's happening, they're actually going to be doing like a chase where they actually are swinging from the chandeliers in the the opera house in Germany. So they're going to be, like, the girls are going to be chasing after the, the bad guy jumping from chandelier to chandelier, and Gru's going to be on the ground, like, running through the audience, oh, sorry, excuse me, like, doing all the, you know, goofy Steve Carell stuff in there. So we'll have this, like, great little piece that works well and ties that in. <clears throat> and then at the end, Kristen Wiig's character just, like, shows up and blasts the, the bad guy, so it can be, you know, because she's the actually capable one in the group. So, Yeah. I think, I think we've added in some good little elements that will you know, help sell the market and we can do, um, we can market it, we can, you know, put the Despicable Me 3 soundtrack featuring Sia in big letters, we'll get more people coming in, get a little bit more revenue coming back inwards towards us. Um, and then last but not least, we got to start thinking about marketing this out to, uh, you know, the toy markets as well. So I think we need like a playset that includes... Uh, the minions, one of which, or some of which can look like Harrison Ford, uh, and one with Sia in there as well. Um, and then, you know, the, the group, and then maybe like a little, you know, a plastic scene from somewhere in Berlin or anywhere, I don't care. Somewhere in Europe that's that's neat and popular. We'll figure it out. And I can play and run through it, and we can include them with you know, McDonald's meals or something like that, and then... All the kids will say, oh, I got a cool toy, I want to go see the movie, Mom. And they go see the movie. All right. So there we have your presentation of Despicable Me 3, semicolon, the missing note. So I put it in. You guys have actually made a perfectly inoffensive children's animated movie. The Minions Despicable Me series is 
always made money, despite what the producer said, Despicable Me 3 actually grossed $336 million on a $74 million budget. So, Minions was huge. People like more Minions. Harrison Ford Mi Minion um, is really great. People love it. Um, there is a little bit of a legal kerfuffle with Disney, who owns the Star Wars rights. Uh, you're able to get some parody. You're able to work an off-book deal. But basically, Disney's able to siphon a significant percentage of the proceeds, unfortunately, in the movie because of the whole... So I guess no, the, no one, no one, no one ran the uh, the Harrison Ford Star Wars minion by anyone to think see if it was. Oh, they called. So basically, Disney takes all the toy revenue oh, from sure. from uh, everything. So you only make the movie. The movie makes plenty of money, but really these movies are based on the toy sales. This, this is why they exist. Honestly, they're literally ninety minute long toy commercials, nothing more. Um, especially with. Lazy writing, like not even Googling the years that Bach Beethoven <laughs> and Mozart were alive to realize that Bach died before either of the other two were even born. Um, little details like that, you know. It's just their the, aliases, the, the criminals. The snarky members of the internet pointed out that, like, do these guys even have Google when they're writing these movies? And obviously the answer is no. No one complained about the Flintstones. Also, who's no even one on had the Google internet? when the Flintstones came out. <laughs> so, like, the movie's a success. You know, it grosses $280, $290 million box office over your budget. Um, you just don't make any money off of merchandising and toys, so... And there's some seducing the ex-wife money right there. Yep. Mm -hmm. so, so what ultimately happens well, I got because of this... a flat rate, so I'm fine. Is, ...is because of the marketing money, or the toy money and everything, Disney just ends up buying DreamWorks. And as they f further solidify their hold on all of the intellectual properties in existence. So, based on this outcome... How much of that cut do we get? None, because the merger happened after you delivered your, your movie. And they bring in a whole other team to do Despicable Me 4. So, it's, a, it's an actual Star Wars crossover. And they actually get J.J. Abrams to do the first one. So, ah. Uh, Ooh, starting with our writer, but yeah, you, you made made a good, you got a good paycheck, got a little bonus out of this movie. You just got cut out of doing any further work on it because Disney stepped in. So, do you change anything? Well, I just want to say historical accuracy is very important to me. So, um, I'm just gonna to fix up that little Bach issue that I was not informed about, and I guess I should have known that from basic knowledge, but whatever. Bach could also be a time traveler, you know. Sort of a lot of accidents, like the bad guys grab him from his own time period, so then we can justify why he's there and give him like a subplot, or just leave him there. You know, like people will probably forget he was there by the end anyway. So yeah, I think I had some other ideas, but with no marketing money, there was no reason to. I was going to add like blue minions, so then it's like, oh, you got to get the blue minions too. But you know, that's not my job any. Well, that wasn't my job anyway. I was a writer anyway. Um. <laughs> So I think, yeah, time-traveling Bach could be cool, and that's kind of my only change, I'd add. Maybe give the minions kind of a character arc, you know, where they realize, where they realize that they should be more independent, uh, or one of them realizes it and he's outcast, but um, whatever. You know, don't make it too dark, and other than that, I'd keep it the way it is. All right. Anything else? You happy? I said good day, sir. Okay. <laughs> so back to our director. 
the movie made money, got bought out by Disney, you got cut out of the process of making any more, but, you know, you got that one paycheck sitting at home that's pretty nice. You change anything? You know, I would have really liked to, instead of classical music, have the music of Pink Floyd. I think that would have really kicked it up a notch for me in terms of artistic expression. Uh, and just switching out this, uh, as much as we can, just shifting up the, uh, the dynamic of Despicable Me and getting rid of these known characters and sort of introducing some unknown elements would have been, I think, a better direction to go in. I think that Disney would have been less interested had we taken it, it to a, a darker place. Although I, th I think DreamWorks would have been able to support that exploration. Um, but other than that, I'm pretty pleased. The paycheck uh, has allowed me to buy my own mountain in Eastern Europe. And yes, there is a cave in it. And um, these days I'm just hanging out in there with Aziz, RuPaul, and Jeremy Irons just making soundscapes. So you look back at a project and you go, what could I change? Should I have changed anything? Now that I have my mountain, though, I think I'm, I think I can be okay with what what happened on this project. All right, great. Uh, producer HF was not DTF your ex-wife, and you got paid. So how are you feeling? Well, actually, I have a, a little bit of bad news on that front. Uh, she found out where Harrison lived. Uh, she left my swanky condo and has been stalking him since then. So, you know, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I offered to, you know, buy her a, a boat or a baby. She didn't seem interested in those. Mm. I don't know what else to, to, to put in that direction. Uh, you know, I, we made some solid money here. This is good. This is good walking around money. Um, the, you know, I'm a little concerned that Disney cut us out at the end there. Uh, I wish I would have. You know, figured out the Star Wars issue would have been a bigger one than it was, but I uh, also wasn't super involved in that animation process, so uh, screw you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm disappointed that they cut us out, but I don't know if, if this movie would have been the same if we were working for Disney. I, don't, I think mm -hmm. that it would have been a little bit chintzier, it would have been, you know, a little bit less less wholesome, would have been less of a, a magical experience that it was, because you guys are super talented. I definitely want to hire you guys again. Well, thank you. No, I'm, I'm fairly happy with, with how things turned out. I think, um, I think it's time to look for another franchise to milk till it's dry. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Our team has created Despicable Me 3. Go buy the toys for your kids so they don't see any money, and all that money goes to Disney. Uh, we're going to leave you with the words of wisdom from Guy Fieri. I don't know if it's fair to call their Russian dressing Russian dressing. It should be called something sexy like liquid Moscow. Have a good yes. day, Internet. <laughs> That's gross. No, it's great.